Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So take a little passage from Luke chapter 7 from verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jane, for bringing our reading. Good evening, everyone. Oh, you were louder when you were supporting the baptism candidates. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, as I said, my name is Eve and I'm the clergy leader here. It's fantastic to welcome people into the church family today in baptism. And if you're visiting us, if you're a guest of a candidate, if you're watching online, you are so welcome here. It's wonderful to have you with us today. And we are in a series at the moment as a church thinking about meals with Jesus. And if you haven't heard the first talk last week from Mark Powley, you can catch up on our podcast. But even if you're here for the first time or visiting, I hope we can be encouraged from this passage in Luke chapter 7. One writer about the Gospel of Luke says that in Luke's Gospel, which is an account of the life of Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. I don't know if you know anyone like that either, who's just got like a crazy social life. Uh, Jesus was known for his eating and drinking with all sorts of people. So what can we learn from his table manners? 
What is the meal deal we get with Jesus? Now, I've been to some lovely meals. Uh, some I've felt comfortable. I could be myself. So Rosie, one of the clergy team, took me for lunch uh, after church on a Sunday recently. It was lovely. It was very restorative. It was a bit of a treat. It was great. Um, I've also had some more awkward meals. Um, for example, you're catching on faster than the morning congregation. Uh, for example, when I went on the Channel 4 TV show, First Dates, that happens. I'm giving away the truth in that kind of game you play of like two truths and a lie. Um, a, people, a, a show where people get matched up with someone for a first date. There I am with Fred, the maitre d', who was lovely. Um, and I was billed as the rev looking for love at Christmas. They wanted kind of community figures. And so I stepped up uh, to the challenge. Um, and that was, a, that was a few years ago. Uh, you can still catch up on 4OD. <laughs> My gift to you. The date uh, ended up being a one-off. Uh, but the whole experience was really positive. Everyone was really lovely. But it is a bit awkward having a meal with someone you've never met for the first time on camera. Um, and I noticed that, oh, this is different when I said a short prayer of grace before the meal. Don't worry, I didn't sort of start preaching or anything. So I wonder if you've had any awkward meal experiences. Have you already got something in your mind? Was it the setting or the menu or something you did or the company did? Have you got, I wonder if you've got something in your mind already. Well, in the meal today, in our account of Jesus' life, we find him invited to a meal with Simon the Pharisee, who was a Jewish religious leader, one of the elite. Now, meals in Jesus' time, even maybe more in our culture than in our culture now, were a statement of who you valued, who was in and out. And also, they would have taken a significant amount of time and effort to gather people together and prepare appropriate hospitality. Being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person was a highly symbolic ceremony of friendship and intimacy and unity. So this meal that Simon has set up with the famous rabbi, Jesus, is interrupted by this woman who comes to find Jesus. She makes this meal awkward, to say the least, but awkward for who? So as we look at this encounter, I wonder if there are three courses for us to consume, each with a particular flavor that has two elements, you know, like cheese and onion, salt and vinegar. You need two things. And that they can speak to us today about how we approach Jesus and how he welcomes us. Now, I don't think all of these courses should be equal in our lives. So this is more like tapas than like a Sunday roast or something like that, okay? So let's get into the meal. So I think the first course is one of worship and weeping. So we see in this passage, Simon the Pharisee, this keen observer of Jewish law, invites Jesus 
to a meal. And he would have probably had a large home with a semi-public area that opened onto the street. So people could feasibly come by and pay tribute to the owner or the host. Like an open house. Or in the case of this meal, they might have come and contributed to the discussion with this rabbi. But into that elite setting, an outcast woman enters the house uninvited. She's described as living a sinful life. We're not sure what this sin was, but it was likely to do with breaking Jewish purity laws involving the types of relationships she engaged in. But Luke, the author, doesn't condemn her. He's just describing the facts and letting Jesus explain to us the meaning of what's happening. So whatever her background, she'd learnt that Jesus was there. It sounds like she was looking for him. And she comes with a highly expensive offering of perfume, ready to worship Jesus, to anoint with oil in that time was an act of worship. I don't know whether you've gone to a meal and said, can I bring anything? And then you turn up with either the wrong thing or you think, this bottle of wine or this food item, I needn't have spent that much on it. Um, But this one, she came ready with an expensive gift. But she's weeping and she's anointing Jesus with this oil. One translation heightens this weeping to wailing. Can you imagine? No words are recorded, just action. This woman, in seeming desperation and knowledge of her need, of who Jesus is, of what he could do for her, it pours out of her this worship. Again, another translation says she rains down tears. She worships Jesus by anointing his feet. This is awkward. The woman's behavior towards Jesus is totally inappropriate. It's scandalous. Now Jesus has already been accused of being a friend of sinners. And here he is allowing this unclean woman to touch him. And this is not a short encounter. She stands behind Jesus, then she moves to his feet. She's drying them with her hair, which means she was bent down on the floor. I imagine the whole gathering coming to a stunned silence as they witness this public act of embarrassing emotion and worship. Waiting for Jesus to do something, to rebuke her, to send her away, to take away their awkwardness. It's like a clip of first dates, where one of the pair says something or does something excruciating, and everyone watching, normally on Gogglebox, recoils or cringes and looks away. But it's a hundred times worse for this woman in that culture. And having found Jesus, she brings her worship and her weeping. And Jesus does not turn her away. He receives them both. So I wonder tonight whether you know, whether you think that God wants your worship, your emotion, your devotion to him. Whether he accepts your tears. Wherever we are, whatever we're going through, whether we can bring that to him.
So that is our first course. The second course, I think, is pride and presumption. I actually could have called this pride and prejudice, I realized this morning, but I didn't. Pride and presumption. This is a bitter course, and it shows us Simon's heart. He had invited Jesus to his table and into his life, maybe with really good intentions. But he assumes Jesus' motivations as well. And he says to himself, whether in his head or out loud, if this man, this man being the person he had invited, was a prophet, he would know who's touching him, what kind of woman she is. I wonder when I, when we, have presumed who God accepts and who he doesn't. Or if we've counted ourselves out of the love of God. Whether because of the pride of thinking too much of ourselves that we don't need God's forgiveness. Or that weird inverse pride of thinking too little of ourselves. That we're not worthy of God's love. Um, I wonder if anyone's seen this uh, episode of Friends that the picture is taken from. Uh, It's on Netflix now. You can watch it all again. I watched it all for the first time. Uh, When Brad Pitt, that that is Brad Pitt, guys, in the middle, uh, plays the high school enemy of Rachel at a very awkward meal. And they assume the worst of each other and they draw other people into their narratives, into their version of events. We might read this passage and say, thank goodness I'm not like Simon the Pharisee. But I think we all can be sometimes. Whether or not we'd call ourselves a Christian or even believe in God, I think we'd generally agree that selfish pride is not a good quality to have. It leads us to presume we know better than other people and to try and go it alone. And we get into all sorts of tricky situations. It takes a lot to admit to ourselves and to others that we need help. But the good news of Jesus is that there is one who can help with our pride. The only one. And we can come to him even today. But like a bitter taste in the mouth, I don't want us to dwell on this course too long. But I think seeing it's there and seeing it in us helps us to move on to the good stuff. And thankfully, Jesus sees through the pride and the presumption and he helps Simon and us get to the best course. The best course to eat and I think the best course for our lives. So we've had the second course. The third course I think we could call it faith and forgiveness. And in what I read in a kind of gentle but firm tone is Jesus responding to Simon's comments. And he tells Simon a story. A story about two people who owe money and the money lender forgiving them. And he finishes with a question that Simon easily answers. He doesn't seem to even think about it. And in doing so, he answers his own question, that Jesus does know who is touching him, and he's okay with it. 
I wonder if you've ever had someone do that to you. You're struggling with something, you're stuck in a rut, you're in your own version of events, and a friend cuts through the rubbish and comes at it sideways. And you, like Simon the Pharisee, say, I suppose this. I love Jesus for that. He doesn't send Simon away either. He wants him to understand what his life, what his kingdom is about. Jesus explains forgiveness of sins as a cancellation of a great debt which generates huge gratitude. A debt that Simon might also carry. And while the woman showed Jesus the kind of hospitality that Simon should have offered his guest, she demonstrates her trust of Jesus, her great love for him, her faith in him as her only option for freedom in her life. Jesus, God in the flesh, before he's even gone to the cross, declares her clean and forgiven released from her old life and accepted by him. She can now live from that new identity. She hasn't gone out yet and lived an unsinful life, a holy life. It's the encounter with Jesus that gives her the identity to live from, in peace with God, with herself, and peace with others. In one translation, Jesus says, your trust has delivered you. Journey in peace. The image on the screen, if you can see it, is from the musical Hamilton. Any theatre nerds in the building? Maybe. And there's a later scene where after a huge loss and a separation, Alexander Hamilton and his wife Eliza reconcile. And Hamilton forgives himself and he receives forgiveness from his wife, Eliza. And there's a line in the song that's actually sung by the chorus as if observing this uh, exchange that has the line, forgiveness, can you imagine? And it's very moving. And it's not like the characters even notice it, but those singing about their experience do. It's worth a watch. I wonder who we might count in or count out of our culture in receiving God's love, ourselves or those that we think we can tear down or we see their whole lives in public. So here's another person sharing about faith and forgiveness and I wonder if some of us will know who he is. Um, So let's watch what he has to say. So when did you decide to actually move within the guidelines and how did you find yourself away from, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to drink or do drugs or sleep around or all these other distractions. How did you get out of that world? What was the turning point for you? I think it was my perception of who Jesus really was, you know. Um, I'd had really bad examples of Christians in my life uh, who would say one thing and do another. So they were my direct example of who Jesus was. That's why you didn't take it seriously. I didn't take it as seriously because I didn't have... Good example. Good role models. Yeah. The way I look at my relationship with God and with Jesus is I'm not trying to earn God's love by doing good things. God has already loved me for who I am before I did anything to earn and deserve it. It's a free gift by accepting Jesus and just 
giving your life to him. And what he did is the gift. The forgiveness is the thing that we look at. And, you know, I'm going to worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. I think, you know, he explains, I think, I was like, yeah, that's what Jesus does. Whatever you think of Justin Bieber, whether you listen to any of his music, um, him talking on Apple Music with Zane Lowe, and a lot of that interview is about Jesus. What Jesus did is the gift. Forgiveness is the thing that we look at and say, I'm going to worship you, God, because you gave me something so good. So in this three-course meal, who are you in the story? Because we find the woman at this meal doesn't actually eat anything. She interrupts the meal to worship Jesus. But she gets arguably the best meal deal possible out of the encounter. Forgiveness and freedom from her past life and a new status in society. Are you feeling awkward like Simon? That you sort of want to know Jesus but you don't know what that means for your life? Are you like the woman thinking, yes, I need him? Are you an onlooker at the meal, observing other people and their encounters with Jesus, then being baptised maybe and thinking, what is this all about? Whoever we identify with, we can join with what I think those who have been baptised today have done in receiving these courses. Those who have been baptised today have come to Jesus with their worship and their weeping, whether loudly and in public or quietly and in their heart, and given the whole of their lives. And they've received the acceptance and the love of Jesus, who is not embarrassed or ashamed by any part of them. They've given up their pride and their presumption, dying to themselves and rising to new life in Jesus sharing the risen life and the power of Jesus today. Knowing that what happens in baptism is a daily practice and a way of life that the Holy Spirit, the power of God, is available to help them every day. And could we, like them, put their trust in Jesus, their faith in his faithfulness and receive the forgiveness of all their sins that Jesus won for them on the cross. So they and we as well are released to journey in peace, living out of God's love for them. So Jesus welcomes us to come and sit and eat with him. Will we accept that invitation? Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.